Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. So a quick S's. chunk. Take one. Take yeah. one. Okay. Okay. Hi, everybody. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. This is. A <laughs> I'm getting embarrassed even talking into a microphone. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is that why you turned right red? <laughs> we we were too at first. Remember? So, yeah, yeah. It's uh, don't worry. You'll get you'll get much more comfortable with this. So hi, hi everybody. Welcome to our very first podcast. I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Sam and Jim. Yep. Hi. 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 Hi, Sam. So we're just going to go around and kind of introduce ourselves. Um, we are in the midst of starting a brand new company, mm-hmm. as yet to be named. Yeah, I mean, right now we're calling it Legacy. Right now we're calling it Legacy, yep. and we'll get into a little bit more about that. But I think it's best that everyone gets to know Sam and Jim a little bit more and how all this came about. So, uh, Sam. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Always the most comfortable question, you know. Uh, no, my name is Sam Devine. I used to be Sam Teeson. Uh, there's a long story behind that, but I won't get into it. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, I'm kind of Minnesota, Minnesota raised. I was born in Portland, Oregon, but I moved back here before I can remember. So, uh, and I own a company in town called Kinetic Design Build. Um, started it, well, really it started maybe... Oh, 2001, but we morphed into into kinetic construction in 2008. Uh, Jim's been working with me for a few years. <laughs> I've got uh, <laughs> three kids. I've got uh, two boys. I forget their names, and then little Andalyn. She's two years old. She's my favorite. She's your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, they're got, all good kids. Yeah. No, I've got Tyson and Maddox, uh, eleven and nine, and then an aunt, and then a baby girl. So. Okay. And so Kinetic kind of morphed from. How did you start out? I started out as a painting company. Painting with, company. Okay. Yep. Okay. Just residential painting. And usually. so, in addition to kind of the design build section, you also have a couple of other side projects or things sure. that you've done throughout your life that kind of meld into all of this. So it started with Camp Chippewa. Correct, yep. I worked at a boys camp called Camp Chippewa up in northern Minnesota. Um, I attended as a kid when I was six and seven years old. Oh, I didn't. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. I didn't know that either. Yeah, my folks were divorced. My dad lived up in Bemidji, and, uh, and I think he answered an ad for a summer position out there. I think it was shortly after their divorce, so I think he was looking for a way to sort of help him take care of the kids over the, the summer, my older brother and okay. I. And uh, so I was there in 81 and 82 when I was six and seven years old. Um, but then we, we didn't have the money to continue to attend. So I went back when I was 21 years old and started working. And I worked there from 96 t- until 2012. Oh, wow. OK, so yep. doing what, counselor? Counselor. I started out, I worked with the youngest kids for the first several years. Um, I was just sort of my area and then uh, and then I started taking canoe trips and I led um, I, I've led I don't know a dozen or so trips into 
central Ontario and Manitoba and then all the way up to uh, just below the Arctic Circle, taking three trips to Hudson Bay. I figured it out one time, I've taken about 2,500 miles worth of canoe trips oh, wow. in my lifetime, yeah. And this is kind of rough and tumble. It's pretty rustic. Of, you know, yeah. you gotta you gotta be a good problem solver and be comfortable. Yeah. Outdoors. Yeah. I mean, it, these are um, especially when I first started taking them. We had no digital technology, so we went out on these trips. We I was still shooting pictures with my thirty-five, 35 millimeter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I brought a, a yeah. case with uh, you know six or eight rolls of film, and I had to make sure I had a couple of batteries with me. And I took my pictures and came home and didn't know what I had until I got back. I love that part of it. Yeah. And you were using probably actual paper maps and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Well, I, yes. I, we had no GPS or anything like that. And we had no satellite phone, no um, lifeline, no you know safety connection. And now, as, as I progress through those trips, toward the end, I've got you know, a satellite phone. <laughs> I've got uh, a digital camera. I'm shooting. Kids are bringing uh, little chargers, little solar yeah, chargers right. out on the right. trip to make sure that their battery powered goods are mm -hmm. working through it we still don't do you have gps up there yeah totally yeah, yeah. and and we kind of still emphasize the fact that uh, on those trips that we were non-digital but it's amazing how much the digital life creeped into even those trips over the course of 10 or 15 years while i was taking them yeah so. so you've done that for many years and then explain how they came to the found, founding of Earth Ed. So, yeah, so uh, in 2012, the it was just kind of time to be done with camp, not not done forever. They The uh, family that owned it sort of came back in and, and asserted themselves as director, which is good. <laughs> I say that, try and be cautious in the way I say that. It was all, it, it's good for camp, but it pushed me out of my position. And uh, so I started my own nonprofit foundation called Earth Ed Foundation. And ultimately, uh, its purpose is to introduce kids and adults to wilderness adventure travel mm -hmm. or just the wilderness in general. But that's, I, I love the canoe trip inside of it, so it's where my passion lies. And then uh, with the intent of eventually uh, building up enough to find a piece of land and, and start a, a program that's you know, a camp-based program that goes out into the wilderness as well. So. And so why is providing this type of outlet more important today? Especially, you know, you have three kids, you're seeing your two older boys wanting to be on their phones or in front of the TV. So what kind of skill set are they learning through your foundation and through these trips? Um, beyond the obvious disconnection from just technology in general, uh, like even myself, now I've been away from it for six years. I have taken trips each of the last few years. Um, in being away from it, I don't know if it's just a shift in technology or if it's a shift in me or whatever, but, but I'm on my phone a lot more than I've ever been in my life. And uh, with the you know kind of tumultuous political atmosphere and the past election and what's going on, I. I feel more absorbed in a digital world these days than I ever have. And, and probably more stress. 
Yeah, and more stress, more anxiety as a result of it. And I and I feel like I personally do an okay job disconnecting myself from the trouble around me, but at the same time, I I know it's consuming me in some way too. And I'm consuming too much of this uh, digital garbage that's out there. So the trips, the biggest takeaway I get from it is that there's a calming that happens when you when you remove yourself from the trappings of modern life and you enter the wilderness and it sounds sort of, you know, cliche or everyone sort of knows this, but these trips that I take and the trips that, that I took through camp and then also Earth Ed is seeking to take with people, you have no choice but, but to be disconnected. You are, hmm. you're very remotely you're very remote. Isolated. You're, yeah, you're isolated from everything. You're not likely to see people. I love the Boundary Waters, but um, really we're trying to focus on getting even much further out than the Boundary Waters. Um, and do you feel like some people, adults especially, because they're so dependent on technology, do you feel like when they're isolated there's some form of anxiety that comes up because they're so connected to their phones and without it they struggle? Or are they coming out of these trips feeling like they have a brand new perspective it's on life it's a little it, it it's a little of both when they when they first start they can't believe <laughs> so I took a trip with adults in 2016 and it, it was the first time I had led adults and I think the expectation was that um, that there isn't a place left on the earth where their cell phone isn't going to work where they were like I don't think they believed me that we were going to get beyond civilization and in getting beyond civilization, we we drove through all of Minnesota, and when you get up on the north shore of Minnesota, you start to lose. You have places where you're losing cell coverage, and then you get to Thunder Bay, uh, Ontario, and it's a it's a town. It's a pretty decent sized town, and I told them like this is basically the end of it. We've got another eight or 10 hours of driving to do, but this is the end of civilization, and they all looked at me like, sure it is, you know? Still thinking Our phone will still yeah, work when we get there. Right? Yeah. yeah, totally. You drive about 10 miles outside of Thunder Bay and nothing works anymore. Yeah. And every little town you pass through is a gas station and a convenience store. A like bar. a bar. Yeah, that's it. A yeah. bar. A bar. <laughs> they don't even have a church up there. <laughs> like, hmm. like every bar. Minnesota town Do they have pay phones? A, hard lines? Uh, they have hard lines. Yeah, yeah. they, I mean... It, it's just a, an entirely yeah. different world. Mm -hmm. And and they go from being every 40 or 50 miles to being every 100 miles. Um, so, you know, the... I, I think bringing people into that environment really changes their perspective on things. Mm -hmm. And initially, they kind of all suffer through, a you know, a half a day or a day or maybe two days of... What am I missing? What have I, mm -hmm. you know, what did mm -hmm. I forget to do? Who's trying to get in touch with me? What am I not doing that I'm supposed to be doing? And then after that, the real beauty of it kicks in, which is they they get out and they, <laughs> and they can appreciate appreciate it for what it is because it's so hard in today's day and age to have that complete disconnect. It's impossible. I I, I have I mean, it, no matter what vacation you go on anywhere. Uh, you know, I suppose mountain climbers and people like that go through this, but 
I have, it's impossible to get away from everything that entirely mm-hmm. anymore in most cases. And this is one of those, one of those ways of being able to do that. So today with you know, global tourism, it's easier to go anywhere around the world. So I've seen several kind of press mentions about the rise of these luxury vacations or just vacations in general where you're completely isolated from technology because people are, they're paying, you know, for a full week to just get away. Right. So this is kind of falling in line with, it's an added, added perk that they're getting from Earth Ed. They're learning those outdoor skills, right, and getting that experience, but they're also finding a way to get away completely. Yeah, and one of the things I'm pretty serious about in doing these things is that I'm not, I'm not there to carry your gear. I'm not there to be your guide in that way. And I think that scares people a little bit when you're, you know, 55 years old or something and there's... They've never had that responsibility. Yeah, and there's this barrier to entry, like this fear of, can I do this? Am I physically capable of it? And how would I get through a week of wilderness travel in you know it just doesn't make sense and i understand where that fear comes from but uh you know i guided 14 and 15 year old boys through who had many of them (laughs) had no business being in the woods but there they are and we get through it so i that part of it i can like there are places you can fly to some of the most beautiful remote resorts in the world I've been I've paddled past them and you can spend you know you can spend ten or twenty thousand dollars for a five-day stay at at a sort of five-star middle of nowhere resort um, and be disconnected from things but that's a different experience that's that's padded luxury you know this is yeah your adventure your trips are where you have to rely on yourself and each other whoever yep is there, which I think is, you know, not normal or not an everyday experience. No, and there's a real value in it. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I don't, I try not to get too like weepy and altruistic about it or something, but I, I just, I know there's a big value in it and I know that it, it helps people. And I know that each time people take these types of trips, it, it does open your mind to certain things or it expands your view of the universe a little bit so and is there any barrier to entry for people that want to go on these trips with you not not really I mean they don't know how, they don't necessarily have to know how to make a fire or know how to no, fish they just no. have to be they know like how, they have to know how to really swim don't they <laughs> not necessarily yeah, yeah. okay yeah. that's good I mean, that's my, a plus yeah my preference would be that everyone Life knew how jacket. to paddle yeah and everyone knew how to swim right um, but the the reality is I've taken enough of these trips with with people of different skill levels or groups of different skill levels. I will tailor a trip to the demands or the you know the skill set of the people taking the trip. So I, I mean it, I can I can offer a trip locally that is relatively safe and easy and comfortable though that in a lot of ways that might be harder than some of these other trips or you can go like some of the easiest technically easiest trips i took were the hardest ones to get to the furthest north that you're you don't have to have 
uh, tons of paddling expertise. You can learn it on the trip mm -hmm. because of the length of time that you're on the trip and the fact that the rivers kind of help you move along. And, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, you can portage around anything that's going to hurt you anyway and stuff. But for those, yes, you would want to have some, some paddling background, but you don't have to be perfect at any of this. And so I like that. you just took your two boys, mm -hmm. and what are they, 10 and 7? T 10 and 8 10 at the and time. 8, and some of their our group, at least a bunch of other families with kids? Yeah, so there were, the, uh, my boys were the two youngest, okay. and then there was, uh, there was a 17 and a 16-year-old, and a 19-year-old, and like six or eight adults, I forget. And know. so how did they... How did they manage? I mean, I'm sure they were great, but it was really fun. Actually, yeah. it was a very yeah, widely varied ages of, of people on the trip and a uh, lot of different skill sets and different levels of knowledge. Expertise. Yeah, like yeah, from zero <laughs> to having had taken many trips like that. So it was it was really a lot of fun. It was a little bit of a challenge for me to make sure that everyone was well cared for or their needs were met, but ultimately it, it went well. So okay. it was a lot of fun. Okay. So that's earth, earthedfound.org yep. is the website that As you can go and learn a little bit more, see some pictures, and then he has a list of the 2018 trips that you kind of tailor based on if it's a family trip, if it's a group of coworkers, if it's a corporate event, you'll be you know very tailored based on the needs of the group. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I don't set them up yet. Where I say like this trip is leaving from this time to You're this flexible. date. Yeah, because it, it's it's all a la carte. I I have a lot of other things going on, mm -hmm. and so if a group is serious enough and they want to get together with me, I'll find the time to make it work. Okay. But um, I'm not going to set up a, a guaranteed trip on a certain right. set of dates. But that's good, I guess, for anyone in the market for a. Yeah. It's a canoe trip. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know. It's not for everyone, honestly. <laughs> so, James, Jim. Yeah. Hi, Sarah. So, hi. <laughs> so, James is a artist, among yeah. other things. Mm -hmm. And in his LinkedIn page, he <laughs> used to say, you were an artist for 50 years, which, you know, since birth. I guess happens, so, yeah. Right? I mean, I think <laughs> so, that's, you know, so I'd like to think. So yeah, I'm probably sure that might be a little true. bit longer than <laughs> than actuality, but so you know. So, what is your earliest memory of wanting, knowing that you love to do art? What oh, do you remember a as a child? That's good question. Were you painting? Were you doing sidewalk chalk? What were you doing? I was doing all of that, but actually, um, earliest memory is third grade. So, third grade, I started drawing quite a bit, and then um, my parents actually put me in in like private art classes oh really <laughs> back really? in third grade yeah oh. I, I excelled in art realistic drawings which okay. obviously you would never know if you saw my art today I've never I'm seen very you very abstract yeah. and, so, like, and minimal you draw us and have it be pretty accurate uh, you know I drew people and animals and cars and stuff I like no that idea. I know right okay. <laughs> yeah Interesting. And then, you know, it was third grade, and you would win little things. Did and, you ever uh, do those contests where you, like on TV, remember those commercials? I, I do. I know exactly you what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't okay. do those, but it's funny that you remember those. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I had thought about doing those, but I never did um, because I was already in art class. What about like the, the Care 11 holiday turkey? 
I did do those. <laughs> yes. Yes. As a child, I would do those and they would, you know, so I was always very, very artistic um, early on. Yeah. And yeah. So I mean, so, phone, yeah. Know. So I started at an early age um, doing that and then having lessons like with a drawing teacher and um, painting. And actually then by like sixth grade, I was doing um, <laughs> realistic paintings of ducks and deer. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> right? That's a you guys wildlife didn't even artist. know. Yes. Totally. You don't have I like mean, a I, Ross kind of. Well, kinda, kinda. I mean, I, I you know, I was, no I was, idea. you know, I mean, we're growing up here in Minnesota. Right. We had the cabin up north. Um, we would summer up north on the cabin. You or just in the said cabin. you would summer somewhere. That's so <laughs> fancy. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, as a kid, I mean, in, in summer, you know, I mean, you're going back and forth. and you just know, painting ducks that was, and that bunnies was a big deer. deal. Like, yeah. as, as a kid, it was like, oh, I did this really sweet painting so of a duck have, like, and a deer. Outside and, like, no, nothing like that, but I'd have my sketchbook. But, um, you know, my my parents actually set up like a little studio setup actually in the basement at my house yeah so I kind of had like you know all kinds of art supplies and stuff like that and and yeah wildlife was so you funny, know yeah. like the know ducks over exist. the you know the yeah uh, they, still exist somewhere. they do them. look at his face <laughs> they're up <laughs> there somewhere there, there might oh, be okay. some right here oh my so we're yeah, we're in the studio right now as yes. we're, yeah, as we're doing this. So yeah, I have a, like a I I think I do what well, I know I have some <laughs> old uh, drawings. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Didn't uh -huh. know this. I know, right? Yeah, did you ever like is there a like Minnesota State Wildlife stamp or anything that's <laughs> There's that not. Know? There's okay. not. Just curious. But uh, you know, at that age I kind of was aspiring towards that. But yeah, like but that, you know, and then um and then of course, you know, by high school so once I got into high school, I, um, believe it or not, I had all my requirements filled by senior year. Yeah. Which is hard I, to believe. I, yeah. It is hard knowing to believe, now, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Knowing me now. I mean, it is. So, um, my art teacher, you know, I was kind of like sick of high school. My art teacher was like, Hey, do you want to, we're starting this new program where you can go to community college or start a college yep. while you're still in high school I was like the test kid for my high school yep. um, because of my art teacher and I was like well yeah I go into drafting yeah so I did drafting at um, North Hennepin Community College yeah uh, and then I decided to switch to art and then you know I mean I just kept doing art yeah, so so early post secondary education totally. program. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. cool. Yep, and then that was all abstract art and starting to become more and more conceptual. And this was at NCAT mm -hmm. here in. Well, that was no. This was at North Hennepin Community College, okay. and then um, and then I got all my requirements and then started MCAD right after that. Like a year after I graduated high school, I still kind of hung out at North Hennepin Community College. And then went to MCAD. So for people who don't know MCAD. It's the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Okay, which is, has a very rich history of producing. It, it does. It's, it's been around for a um, hundred years. It's connected to the Minneapolis Institute of Arts here in Minnesota. Um, and it's a private 
art college is what it is. And you're still very involved with them. I am. Alumni yep. Board. So right now I'm on the alumni board, okay. and um, we, meaning us, Sam and I, Kinetic Design Build, and yourself, um, we're participating in some of the uh, events coming up in the next week, like the art auction for MCAD, okay. and um, we do a few things like that for them. And in addition to in addition to that, you've also had showings here at the yep at the, at the MIA yep at the Minneapolis Institute of Arts. Yeah, so um, you know that's a great place to show. I had my first show there in um, 2000, which was just painting. It was large scale paintings. It was like 10 foot by 10 foot paintings, um, and it was kind of an installation piece. And then the last show I had, um, I think it was 2015. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was a more of a conceptual show. It was an installation-based show um, where I uh, tore apart part of the museum, extracted an 8-foot by 18-foot section of the museum wall, extracted, meaning cut it very surgically, and then um, tore it apart. And um, that show kind of goes into what I'm really interested in with art, and that is, um, you know, vulnerability and fragility and relating that to the human condition. So that's heavy stuff. I know, yeah, yeah. artisty. <laughs> well, mean. It, it does. It, it does. It does. It does sound that way. I, and um, but this kind of leads into you know a, a lot of things, and part of it is um, you know opening up the structure of the museum so that you can see what actually holds the museum together right um and showing that vulnerability of a of a, of a structure yeah an architectural structure that people just think is you know there to hold precious items as paintings right. and sculptures but really the the museum itself is also vulnerable mm. um so so i guess we could you know jump i mean that's part of sam and i's uh, also connection. I mean, some of the things you were talking about with your uh, guided tours. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, it's this sort of the same idea. So um, that kind of segues into my next question. Mm -hmm. You two have known each other for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. We you have. now have yep. a formal kind of working relationship, but like talk about when you first met and, you know, the way you become a business partner or friends with somebody, there's obviously a connection there. So what do you think was that shared connection and how did that evolve? <laughs> Besides having a beer, which is you know, <laughs> yeah, we both honest. enjoy a good beer. Yeah. Well, I think I think you know, me describing sort of this last um, exhibition, um, being interested in things that are uh, vulnerable and and fragile, and and also having this uh, architectural background. Uh, when Sam and I sit around and sort of talk and when we first met I mean he's also very I think both of, both of us are very um, awake sometimes to people and what um, explain that uh, you know sensitive <laughs> in some ways yeah I'm, you yeah know? I, I would say we uh, you know we're both relatively empathetic or empathic or whatever right and, mm -hmm. and I think like Let's let's backtrack. Let's get away from the like what we know about each other now. Right. When I was what 28, 30 years old or something and I met Jim, like 
first of all, I wouldn't have known that there was much of an age difference. So there right. was, it, it was instantly, uh, we were peers mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm meeting, if in that year I'm meeting a hundred guys that I could become friends with or something, you know, that where that connection is possible to be made, um, it's just maybe the person I am or whatever, but I'm not looking for another dude friend who is wants to talk about football or uh right you're and, much and, more nuanced you want to get into the yeah it's the, just my nature so jim and i like we we were hanging out with i met you through mutual friends right and i knew those mutual friends to be good people mm-hmm. but i wasn't going to create a, a long-term friendship with any of them right you know like we, we were as friends as we were going to get mm-hmm. whereas like it didn't take Jim and I very long to start talking about something that would make those people turn away from the conversation. <laughs> right. Like, they just simply weren't interested in it. And and you and I could spend I mean, which we do and which is kind of what, right. what has happened yeah. and evolved is that we spend a lot of time hanging out and we talk and we reflect on it, everything. Is, and that's really the 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 sort of uniqueness, um, I think of our friendship and, and what's developed is that we're able to kind of look past a few things and kind of look at a greater whole sometimes. The, yep. the greater picture, the grand yeah. picture. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I and think there were there were enough shared experiences from childhood, kind of nature right. and country and mm-hmm. and growing up in the city and understanding yeah. that kind of having a foot in both worlds and and he's an artist who enjoys construction and I'm a construction guy who enjoys art. And so we, you know, there was a lot of cross pollination there or whatever, and we just hit it off. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about their Minnesota roots and about the region and how great of a city this is and a state this is and a little bit more about their burgeoning company. So we'll be right back. Thank you for listening. I can't believe you've made it halfway through already. I'm sure you can't believe it as well. Uh, If you are not a family member of mine or Jim or Sarah's, uh, that's even more impressive that you've stuck with us this long. Uh, Don't forget to visit our website, www.andalin.app, or uh, if you're interested in the institutional version, you can always check out kineticlegacy.us too. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll start with the second half. Okay, we're back. And we're going to pick up here and talk about Minnesota, which is we're segueing into that a little bit during our last segment. And Minnesota is very important. It's not only where we live, where we're recording from. We're recording from Northeast. our studio in Northeast Minnesota, or Minneapolis, I, I should say, <laughs> which is yeah. the big arts district. So let's talk a little bit about Minnesota. Um, so both of you have your roots here. My roots are Wisconsin, but we think Wisconsin's <laughs> Sam's making it's a face. Just, yeah, it's, it's kind, kind of, of connected. It's kind of Minnesota light, but... Yeah. I did go to school here for about a year and a half before I transferred back to Wisconsin, but my sister has lived here for a very, very long time, and now I'm 
remade my home here after being on the East Coast for a long time. So let's You had just, the good sense to move. I had the, good, the yeah. good sense to move back to my roots, right? Yeah. Minnesota pride. Minnesota right? pride. So let's talk a little bit about Minnesota. Let's talk about kind of your experiences here growing up here. And then I want to get a little bit into how this has become more of a creative hub, not only in the Midwest, but in the U.S. So let's start, Sam, with your sure. history in Minnesota. Um, I've lived all over the state. Uh, my folks... Let's see, they they briefly left, this was back in the 70s, so kind of tail end of the hippie years. They uh, they tore out for uh, Portland, Oregon, which is where I was born. Okay. So they lived, I think they lived in Portland for a year or two, uh, both of them being Minnesotan. Um, lived in, in Portland for a year or two. I was born there, and then I think when I was maybe six months old, we... We moved back to. So you don't really remember? No, okay. I don't. I don't. Though, I, though I do have like some odd affection for Portland, for Portland, for Oregon. Right. Yeah, I, I really do. Every time I go, you know, I've I've been out in that area a few times. I feel like, oh, this is really nice. But some connection. Maybe kind of, maybe I'd like it. It's kind of very Midwest. It is. There's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason people move. You know, they, you, yeah. Here, uh, certain parts of Alaska, it seems like it's sort of interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But. Anyway, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely a Minnesotan. Uh, when I was young, my family is predominantly from the Elk River area, which is sort of a, you know, northwest corner of the city's exurb or something. When I was a kid, it was a small town, uh, a river community, farming, you know, the train track came through it, so there was some commerce that went on in the early... 1900s I don't know logging maybe back and it's when. Cha- you know your dad and I were just talking about that this weekend we were driving through because he grew up in that area and yeah. we we're talking about how much that I is I-94 corridor has changed and developed yeah I mean between it, here in St. Cloud it doesn't very much resemble the town I grew up in and so my my folks were divorced and uh, when I was five and they they moved back from Oregon lived I think briefly in Elk River and then up in Bemidji these are kind of my early days uh, and then after their divorce, there was, uh, let's see, back in Elk River, Waconia, Watertown. You did have a stint in Wisconsin. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. and then my dad moved to Madison, and I mm-hmm. lived. I went to school in Madison, uh, let's see, in 4th, 5th, and 10th grade. I was in McFarland, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, I have fond memories of all of those places Good as well. Good fishing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so as far as the state you know, as far as Minnesota is concerned, I have actually lived a lot of places. I went to school in St. Cloud, um, but I also worked for, you know, 15 plus years up in the Bemidji area. That's where... The campus, Camp Chippewa. Yep. yep. And uh, and you spend a lot of your summer, I think both you and Jim do, up north. That's what people do here is they go... They do. They go yeah, up north, right? Called up north. Up north. Yeah, we go, go to the land. We call go, it the we land. We call the land. But, Jim yeah. may uh-huh. have a fancy cabin, but... No. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I, it's Our not, connections do a fancy yeah, cabin. Have, but well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not that fancy, but it's pretty sweet. And it's on the lake of Sky Blue Water. Oh, that's right. Oh. The land of Sky Blue Waters. Yeah. Commercials, yes. Oh, yeah. so okay. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't believe that that I looked it up on the I know. Internet. We were sitting, having a beer the other day, and I told you, and he didn't believe me. So well, he, I did. I just was poo-pooing it. You yeah. were poo-pooing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you Googled it. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time in northern Wisconsin, too, which is actually yeah. very much like Minnesota. Very much the same, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, very, very pretty. Uh, geologically, it's a little different. Like it's got, it's got a different soil structure, so the trees grow differently. Like it's more moisture. I just, I just like no, you're, that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it feels different, but just the uh, this North Country mm-hmm. cabin home thing that's very similar. So. And it's basically Canada. That's what I tell people when I had moved back to Minnesota. I say it's basically Canada because yeah. we're, we're pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yep. Especially up north. Yep, and come to think of it, I've spent a ton of time in Canada too over the years. But that's so. through the canoeing. You're, you're, exactly. you're all over the place. Yeah, in the world wilderness. traveler. Yeah, well, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I have I've traveled a little bit. Huh. <laughs> Actually, I traveled a lot in my, uh, you know, kind of thinking about Minnesota. I, after high school, I lived in Washington State for a while, and then uh, moved back here. I've lived in. Where'd you live in Washington? Uh, we were we were living in Seattle. We were waiting for one of the ski resorts, mm-hmm. uh, Crystal Mountain, to open up. And that year, they just never got snow, so it kind right. of <laughs> we, we had yeah we had uh-huh. jobs, but we didn't have a job because there was no snow. But um, and then we were we were out in Ocean Shores, which is out past Aberdeen, mm-hmm. um, right on the ocean, and traveled around the the uh, what's the big rainforest uh, I forget well the Olympic mountain range I mm. believe, but Olympic rainforest but it, it's gorgeous super super pretty out there um, but I lived in Colorado and Vegas and briefly in Oklahoma oh. uh, and you survived uh, Vegas I survived Vegas how long yeah. were you there uh, just nine months in, in between, in between ca- camp sessions. Nine well, maybe was closer enough. to a year. But, Nine yeah. months is an awfully long time in Las Vegas. Yeah, and, and I knew that that was going to be the length of time I was going to be there. And then you yeah, picked up. I, and when camp ended, actually, that's I went and lived in Oklahoma for two months or something. And then I, nope, that was a different year. My bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I went and lived in Vegas and uh, met Marty, who is a, partner in the construction company mm-hmm. and how'd you convince him to move here uh i brought him back as a counselor to right. camp. camp he came up okay yep he came up one summer as a counselor just for a few weeks but he loved it and he had been out to visit several times and then when the economy went to crap in 2007 2008 whatever it was he decided to pack up and move out he had lived in vegas for 20 years but he was from Vermont prior to that. So oh, he's a big Patriots fan. Yeah. How do and, you feel about huh. that? Uh, well, I don't I'm not into <laughs> <laughs> football doesn't really do it for me. So so you know, who who you root for as a football team doesn't really Right. It's not a yeah. <laughs> yeah I even like not of importance. I even like a few Packers fans. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, are yeah. you a Packer fan? Oh I football. You don't I even could care. care less. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll just put it out there. I think people yeah. know that. Although people, when I tell them I'm from Wisconsin, they automatically assume, so I have to pretend or yeah. something. Yeah. We should some, get you like notion. a Green Bay Packer t-shirt or sure. something. Mm. Yeah. Don't Maybe. you think so? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> a, a very dark one. A black, a black one. Yeah, a black one. <laughs> yeah. Black on black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so now you're raising your family here. You are. You guys are in Minneapolis, the city yep, of Minneapolis. South Minneapolis, Lake Nokomis area. Love it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Right by, there's a million lakes, of course, anywhere you go here. But yeah, but okay. we, you know, we've got one of the kind of underutilized little uh, metro lakes. I think part of the reason for that is you have to dodge airplanes as you 
right, as you run around the, the lake. Airport. Yeah, we are pretty close to the airport. What <laughs> is um, something that I noticed when I was in college here? All of the lakes, they have pathways for the pedestrians and mm -hmm. the bicyclists, which I grew up in Madison, and there's two big lakes there, and they just built everything on the lake. So I thought that was very interesting. Oh, and, and that's probably a part of Minnesota history that people don't yeah. actually know. Yep. That's uh, very purposeful, and that's called... They, it's called the Grand Rounds, but which which city designer or architect was it? Do you remember? I can't remember, but weren't we just were we just talking about this? Like like the design. I feel like it of, was like Sherburn. Yeah, like of Minneapolis. Um, even there's a park. There has there's a park within a six block radius of all houses here. I actually I think know, I something myself like that. There, I think it was Theodore Worth. Oh, Theodore Worth, yeah, it you're was, right. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Theodore Worth yep. was the like er, one of the I, oh God, me in history. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to be putting out into the check. world. Yeah, oh, yeah I'm going to just... be putting out into the world something that's completely and utterly false. But uh, I believe it was Theo Worth, and and as they were kind of designing the city, that mm -hmm. was one of the things. It's funny, I forget how uniquely Minnesotan that is. Uh, they purposefully kept a. I want to say a hundred yards or something, uh, radius around. or more. Mm -hmm. Yep, radius around each of these important lakes in the city to allow everybody access to them. So the first tier homes around around the edge of mm -hmm. that buffer are the you know kind of the nicest homes that overlook the lake and they're stately and they mm -hmm. they look great. But they look out over a lawn sure. of or a mm -hmm. park mm -hmm. where people can right. use it. I think that's it's really great. Actually. Like there's a park around the entire lake. Yep. Which is nice. And then yeah. there's parks all throughout the city, which is also uniquely yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, because they had the they had the foresight to plan that from the beginning. Uh-huh. So So there's lots of common space here. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. it yeah, is. I didn't know that. Yeah. That part of it. Uh-huh. Uh Jim, talk a little bit about your so, Minnesota roots. So yeah, I was I'm born and raised in Minnesota, and my parents were both from Minnesota. They grew up in St. Paul. Um, and growing up, I grew up in Crystal, Minnesota, which is like a really close suburb to Minneapolis. So, you know, that's so close that we would, you know, as kids, I mean, we could just go downtown Minneapolis really easily, actually. On your bike or something. Yeah. Like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and then ever since I can remember, we always had a cabin that we would rent on a lake. Um, and then, of course, I kind of had the very typical uh, uh, motor home summer adventures with my parents. Like we had a little Winnebago. Yep. <laughs> and they yep. yeah, pack in there and we would go to different parks and, you know, state parks um, around Minnesota. And then we travel the country, too. Um, you know, go out to Yellowstone and go out to Washington. My parents also lived out in Washington for a while, out in Spokane, actually. Yeah. So I spent some time there. Um, but yeah, we would get in that RV and just travel all of Minnesota, surrounding areas a little bit. But um, as time went on, we kind of located in Perm, Minnesota, which is about three and a half hours from Minneapolis, so we would go up there every summer and, um, you know, spend two weeks at a time, then come back, go back up there for a couple weekends here and there, but always a good two-week chunk. We would um, spend all, you know, in July usually, 
up yeah. in Perm, Minnesota. Is that Detroit Lakes area? Is that, it is. Yeah. It's like it's like about a half hour south. Yeah. Um, from Detroit Lakes, but um, yeah, and oh, uh, then that, after, little, little siren and the siren out the yeah. window. Oops. I know. That's it's a busy right. neighborhood. Yeah. It is. <laughs> well, it's we're, we're not we're in, in the, the city. Booth. We're definitely in your studio. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, after my brother and I graduated high school, then my parents um, that summer, like my brother is two years younger than me, that same summer they just uh, sold the house and moved up north, so oh. to Perham, okay. and then I would just you know come back and forth from Perham to Minneapolis and went to college here. So. And why did you choose MCAT? You know, <laughs> or did it choose you? It kind of chose me a little <laughs> bit. It really did. I mean, it was here in Minnesota. It was um, accessible for me. Uh, you know, those days there was no internet, so you just got a pamphlet from a college, right? And yeah. you would just stare at the picture, and, and <laughs> right. you'd say, "Well, I think I want to go here," but you know, California seemed sort of far away. My parents yeah. didn't have a lot of money for that, and I was like you know, what about this private art college in Minneapolis? And, you know, so that just kind of fit. It was I've easy. never asked you any of this stuff. Like I know, right? Like, what was 18-year-old Jim thinking when he decided it's time? To, <laughs> I, or 19 wanted, or whatever, so, like, it's time for me to go to a fancy little private art school. Right. I mean, like, that's that's kind of what happened. And, and huh. MCAD did this, like, song and dance at North Hennepin Community College. Like, they had a couple teachers come over there and... You know, you would do portfolio review. And um, then I visited the college, right? And it was an art college. And I walked in there, and everybody was, like, kind of punk rock. Uh, kind of Super arty. artsy. So you yeah. felt You know, there was, like, oh, yeah. yeah I was, like, this whoa, your, this is super cool, you right. know? Um, I was, like, I want to go to this place. Yeah. And, you know, it was a good fit <laughs> that's that's funny yeah it, it is funny isn't you're it you're right there was no internet like, no there was i mean so so I we remember, were just talking about that with yeah. with you know our kids and and you know there was you know back in the day you just would stare at this like you, you know fold pad, out yeah. like a little yeah. fold out and it had a picture of the campus yeah had a picture of a couple people walking and you know right. maybe a little a little, you know, something, how, a description, I, it, right? Whether you went there or not was determined by how cute the girl was in the pamphlet. <laughs> wow. I, it really yeah. was. I mean, you couldn't Google anything. No. You couldn't say, like, oh, I think I'm going to check it out. I mean, <laughs> there was nothing like that. And, you know, like with, with the kids at home, I mean, you know, we actually take them to the campuses. Like, we get on an airplane and we fly there and, we and you know, we've looked at, like, you know, six different campuses yeah, right. over the last year or so i mean when i was deciding college i mean there was no getting on an airplane like oh let's let's take you know our son to some campus out in california like cal arts no. which was a contender you know it was like if you pick it well that's where Blinding, you're gonna blindly. go and and, and you yeah. won't visit it until you're actually going right to the, Right, and we can't even it. really afford that. Right, we really can't. So <laughs> well, I don't know you how you're going to get there exactly, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, if you yeah. can figure your way out, you know, that's, that's what that's you'll do. That's funny. Yeah, it just reminds me of, like, I haven't revisited that part. I, I only went to the schools I went to because, like, they, they let me. Right. They you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I did the bare minimum to get in. Yeah. And I, and I knew I wasn't going to get into anything better. 
Right. And they were like, sure, we'll take you, I guess. You know? Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And I, all I did at MCAD, I mean, it wasn't all I did, but, you know, at that point I was already, you know, taking art classes at a community college. So you show up with your portfolio and it's portfolio review and they look at it, ask you a couple of questions. I'm like, damn, I hope I get in this cool <laughs> school with everybody all punky and shit. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, funny. Yeah. Well, talk. I like it. So, talk a little bit about your talking about riding your bike downtown. And I've noticed since I went to college here in the '90s mm-hmm. how much the city has completely changed, especially mm. downtown. So, right. talk a little well, bit about that. Downtown, and I guess I could start with Northeast here because this is where our studio is. And so, right after graduating uh, MCAD, I got picked up by a local gallery which was yeah. which was pretty cool and then that gallery helped um well sort of facilitate a studio really early on so i've had a studio my entire adult life right. i've never not had a studio yeah um Spoiled. and in northeast <laughs> yeah right and in in northeast minneapolis when when we first started i mean this place was all blue collar mm. there was like two restaurants there was whitey's the union a couple there were like six thousand bars and two restaurants yeah i mean right it was was, all neighborhood bars but i mean there was so much space available in northeast yeah you know for a studio yeah i mean i think our first studio was um like i don't know bigger than this i mean but i think we paid like 300 bucks and we split it four ways you know, or 200 bucks, something like that. It was an old tire company, three floors. I mean, every, all the artists were there. I mean, and that's kind of how I started developing relationships with other artists here in town. Um, you know, you, you go to school for it, but it's really when you start working in a studio building is when you start meeting people. Yeah. So, so anyways, now of course, Northeast has evolved you know, into this art district, you know, the artists kind of moved in, Mm kind of, you know, rejuvenated an area that was really sort of abandoned, you know, they call it gentrification, but they do, whatever they do, they do. (laughs) Yeah. Including this building that we're in right now. So we're in like the historical grain Mm -hmm. belt bottling house, which is grain belt beer. Yeah. And now, you know, now we have this beautiful studio and this, um, it's all the you know, light and historical windows that building. So much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about the North Loop, which we did a little tour of the other we did the other day, and we that's did. another area that's been gentrified. So when I was in high school, we had a, a studio in the North Loop. Uh, it was a band rehearsal studio right. in the North Loop. That was that a we pretty rundown like, area. Yeah, it was really rundown, really just dilapidated. There wasn't any heat in the building so we had like a little portable heater we right. soundproofed it i think we paid like is that i don't know we're working on riding bike club too or <laughs> right right i think <laughs> i know i know i'm just kidding you didn't it, it kind of looked like that i mean it was like a giant closet and yeah. we were all like you know that was in high school where you know and what kind of band was it was it like a hair band well, like, I, you, I, I somehow was in between. Be? Well, that's a Let's good just question. Be honest. Yeah, who I mean, it was a mixture. I think most of it was um, U2. 
Okay. During oh. during those days, not like the replacements or uh, no, we were into it. But I mean, like YouTube yeah. was pretty cool. We were like, yeah, we could, you know, the do that American version of YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but then hair metal kind of a little right. bit into that. But okay. you know, I had a variety of friends, but the friends that I shared that space with were more um, YouTube oriented. You know, sure. the replacements. Yep. I mean, we liked that. We liked Husker Du. We liked yep. all of that stuff. So yeah. And we paid like I think fifty dollars a month for the space. It was the size yeah. of a closet, and we just <laughs> get in there and sweat and jam out on our <laughs> shitty instruments. Uh, the old. But days. anyways, <laughs> the point is, is that North Loop now, of course, is you know um, sort of this be, you know? boutique, mm-hmm. um, high-end restaurants, uh, boutique uh, clothing stores. Uh, it's galleries. still up and coming too. Like it, it's, there's it really still is. work to be done there, mm-hmm. but you can see where Minnesota is headed or where Minneapolis is headed. Right. right. Well, yeah. talk. Let's talk a little bit about that because I'm coming from the East Coast, where I lived in D.C. and then New York for 20 years, and coming back here, and there seems to be this preconceived notion about the Midwest yeah. and how it's flyover country, and oh, why on earth would you ever want to move back there when I find it quite refreshing? Mm-hmm. I think there's much more of an authenticity here. I think there's a huge well of creativity that's been here for many, many, many years. Think of all the music that's, you know, people are going to think of Bob Dylan and Prince, of course. Yeah. The city is such a burgeoning music scene that mm-hmm. everyone supports. We have The Current, the local radio station that really does a good job of that. So, you know, talk about how the city has Minneapolis, St. Paul, have become more of a creative hub and attracting people from all over the country. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, like, I'll, I'll get all philosophical about it and everything or, or historical or whatever, but, like, I think a lot of that is the sort of the the culmination of years of work and planning on people's part and i don't know if it's you know entirely coordinated coordinated efforts that get you there but i think the education system in minnesota has always been top notch and i think you know for a while at least uh maybe a percentage of the talent from Minnesota, the, the well-educated kids saw these other places as the places they needed to be. And I understand that, but I think now, like, there's there's enough going on here and enough of a draw in the quality of life, mm-hmm. the cost of, living. cost of living, the connection to outdoors, mm-hmm. the, you know, just, this is a really mm-hmm. pretty city. Mm-hmm. And, and our Yes, our winters are... They can be pretty brutal, but... They can. But there's so much here. I mean, there's so much art here. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the theater program here, the dance program here... And you um, think of how long those have been in existence, though. Right. Like, this took years and years and years of people supporting them for them to be as important as they are now. Right. And now it's, you know, we... It's not that we take them for granted. We appreciate but kinda, them. But we kind of do take for granted that this investment was made a long time ago mm-hmm. so that we could have these nice things now. You know, and I, This is such a wonderful st- city. I mean, the way you can maneuver around the city mm-hmm. compared to other cities. I mean, like Chicago would be a good example. I mean, it's close to us. But I mean, like the maneuverability of Chicago is, you know, it's a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and more expensive. I mean, here we have all of these things here as far as theater, dance, um, art, music, 
and it's so easy and so accessible. Yeah, and uh, you when know, I was a kid, it's rich. It's rich well, here. <laughs> this is sort of like I grew up in rural Minnesota, right? Yeah. So, like the people I grew up with, not not all of them, but but I think certainly there was <laughs> there was a tendency to sort of say like. I don't need no art, you know, like, oh it's my not- gosh. <laughs> well, that's the way it was in crystal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, we're three miles away from downtown and it was like, I don't know what those guys are doing down there, but yeah. You know. Well, and I always thought like, like if you visited places outside of Minnesota, there was, whether it was food or art or whatever, that was where the high quality stuff was. Mm-hmm. Minnesota always mm-hmm. seemed like, eh. Hasn't it's quite just caught up. Yeah, it's just yeah. people messing around or something. Right. Like the art isn't right. really mm-hmm. of a world class. Yeah, and the food is cert- was certainly not world class when I was young. But now, like with craft brewing, with mm-hmm. restaurants that farm to table, farm to table restaurants. Yes, the you know the actual art scene here, the music scene that's been really good for a very long time. Um, I don't know. It just feels like it's all kind of coming together at once and it doesn't mean you know i hope it doesn't sort of lead to us being pretentious about it or you know that that breeds that in the end but i it's not there yet i mean i i feel like it's a very accessible scene all of it Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's accessible for everyone which is really nice and that's part of why minneapolis is so great you you don't have to be you don't have to be part of an elite circle to there's no there's a a great lack of pretension which is refreshing because yeah. it's kind of what you see is what you get and people come we the three of us talk a lot about authenticity mm-hmm. and I think you know this is going to lead to more discussions in this podcast but that's where the world is heading because we simply can't sustain ourselves and I'm getting on a sidetrack here we can't no, sustain all of this kind of disposable mass consumerism branding all this kind of junk and nonsense that's being force fed to us so I think the idea of starting this company and how both of you have started your careers and developed your lives here lends itself, gives credence to the authenticity that marks this city. And I think moving forward, starting this company here, it's going to be very much part of that that brand. Yeah, it's it's really important to me that we acknowledge that up front and kind of leave leave it as a Minnesota company. I think, you know, I don't know. I would suspect that if if we grow at a certain pace, there's going to be pressure for us to find a different place to be located. And I want to resist that pressure if at all possible. I think we we can accomplish what we need to out of this region. And the talent is here, mm-hmm. the intellect is here, the inspiration is the, here. All of it. Yeah, I mean there's no yeah. there's no good reason I don't feel Oh, <laughs> I, I don't feel compelled to go play around. Like I've lived in enough places and I've seen other cultures. I don't want to go to a place where where we're forced to change to be more like that place, like Silicon Valley, right? Or New York, yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Like I, I like what we have here. Mm-hmm. And so. Jim, you've been in LA too. We didn't touch on that, but you have lived in LA, right? And yeah, so, I mean, I've know. spent quite quite a bit of time there, um, on and off, and and I've always. I mean, so I tried to give it a pretty good go um, with some galleries in Los Angeles while I kept my studio here in Northeast for for years. I mean, I never gave up on the studio here. I kept 
paying rent here, you know? Yeah. Um, and really, I just always felt like this is home base, no matter what, because it's the inspiring part of you knew me. you'd come back eventually. Yeah, it's just for spreading. sure. And, and sometimes it's, it's good to spread your wings and yeah. see what's out there. And then you realize, well, actually, it's pretty good here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, the other thing is, is that, you know, we can take what's beautiful about Minneapolis and Minnesota is like, you know, now that summer comes and everyone kind of comes <laughs> outside, you know, again. again. But I mean, the, the day trips going up to the North Shore. Yeah. I mean, the inspiration of looking at vast you know, open fields, you know, uh, you know, like looking at Lake Superior, looking right. at the terrain and being able to participate in that is very unique to this state, I think. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I think that's a common, it's a common theme when people say, um, you know, you, you grow up in a place and then you decide to leave that city and, and head off into the world and then you realize how good you had it back at home or whatever. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's real common, but it's... Uh, I don't know. I've lived a lot of different places, and it's not that I don't have an appreciation of those other cities and the other cultures. You want to live. It's human nature to want to live in and amongst the people you grew up around, if you can. You know, it's it's. this is comfortable for us. But mm-hmm. I think beyond just being comfortable for us, I've been realistic enough, and I think you have too, about what it is to live in these other places. I did give them a shot. And... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think we've got an awfully good quality of life here. So Yeah, and, and it's nice to be around um, friends and family that you've, you yeah, know, that's friends that you've grown up with. I mean, it's, it's cool. I mean, you know, I definitely have moved around a lot and traveled the entire country. But, um, you know, I love, I just love being in Minnesota. I think it's a great, great state. Yeah, yeah I'm really, I'm really proud of what Minnesota is right now too and in the sense of like not sort of falling victim to always feeling like the the distant cousin city of some great city flyover state yeah I mean like it's actually a really nice place to live and I think you know more and more people are realizing that that is the case so Well, that's going to wrap up this little segment. Um, We will continue this discussion moving forward, but thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care.